Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Timeless Wealth. Sean, <laughs> you're doing it to me already. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> it has been a you're while. just going to start making I fun of me. I getting bumped by all these great guests that you kept We've had so on. many great guests, we and now I you're back. Matt Damon on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I kept getting bumped <laughs> at the last <laughs> second. It was horrible. No, it was I awful. I love the metaphor. I love the metaphor. <laughs> well, welcome back, and we have a great segment because we're going to be talking about education, the cost of education, and I know you're kind of in the throes of uh, cost of education and driving your daughter out I, to I school. I actually wrote so. a tuition check just last week. Well, there you go. You're the perfect guest. And, uh, perfect no, so guest. I'm very intimate with uh, what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> well, at least the outcome of it, not necessarily <laughs> the saving for it part, but we can get into that. All right. Coming up next, RESPs and all things education. Today we're going to talk about education. Now, a couple key things here, a little known fact. Um, it could cost upward. Did you know this? I didn't know this, although I'm living it. Actually, I have a, I have a shirt. <laughs> you, have, you have one kid in, in uh, college, right? So Sean? far, yeah. And, and gotcha. it's funny. I have this shirt. It's because it's, it's a t-shirt that says I'm an Acadia dad. Acadia University oh, that's dad. Hilarious. It's the most expensive shirt I own. <laughs> <laughs> and that shirt could cost me upwards of $100,000. $100,000. And actually, that is on the lower end mm-hmm. of overall educational costs yeah. once you get into the post-secondary world. Right. You could go as high as $150,000, depending right. on what, uh, let's say, what school you go into. Right, yeah. right. So I guess the question becomes... You know, and this is more, this is probably guided towards those of you that have younger children, or let's say those of you who have children or have younger children. Yeah. When should you start, when should you, you start planning for education at the post-secondary level and what tools can you use to kind of get you there so yeah. that you're not just totally overwhelmed by cost with nothing to backstop it when they, when it yeah. finally comes. Right. Yeah. Well, well, and then we're also going to touch on inflation too, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. The cost of education is r- rising at a far faster rate than, than your standard inflation. So yeah. it's, you have to start sooner. And this is why we always talk about compounding or a pounding table about that. But this is another stat we read. 83% of parents expect to pay for their, their kids' university costs. So it's now an expectation. Like I remember many years ago when we first started it was you know we'd want to help them out help them get off on a good start but now when we do a financial plan it's total table stakes like i i know that i'm committing to four years at least of university costs to have it paid off so we build that into the financial plan and we have to attribute a higher inflation rate to that cost that's coming up this is the best flip side to that coin 40 percent of children expect their parents to pay for their yeah (laughs) i mean why not post-secondary school education yeah why not you you, the parents brought them into the world (laughs) i didn't have mine pay for i had to save all my own and go to student loan and, and pay it off but it is difficult now and it is expensive but there's a lot of tools out there. Like mm-hmm. many will be familiar with the registered edu- savings plan, well, R- RESC. When you say that, it, you know, the inflation mm. in the post-secondary school world, mm-hmm. yeah. particularly actually in graduate studies, but in the undergraduate studies as well, mm-hmm. is outpacing inflation oh, overall. Yeah. By what by what margin? 
By significant margin, like when we do a financial plan, we're modeling at a 5% per year. But yeah. it, it kind of goes staggered and starts. And yeah. I know you had so some good charts. three times. The inflation oh, yeah. within tuition costs at a, at a post-secondary school facility or institution is roughly mm-hmm. three times that of what inflation is in the overall economy. Yeah. yeah. Well, well yeah. For, Forbes, so I was reading that Forbes said between 1980 and 2020, the cost of education uh, was above inflation by 169% to 1,500%. What a, what a racket. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like wow. it's hey, a like, business, right? It's, it's a business it's, it's and it's huge. expensive. You, you do have more people for several factors. You do have more individuals trying to get into university as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, population growth. All, yeah. So many um, quality of the education. Yeah. Um, so Plus so living expenses, depending on where yeah. they're living yeah, and the precisely. cost of living has cost gone of up. Living yeah. went up. Like just property went up alone a lot. So yeah. you know, any residents on campus or even if a campus wants to expand, mm-hmm. right. Or if they want to do renovations, right. On their, on their buildings, yeah. that's, that, that cost has obviously gone up. gone up. So, right. You know, um, but yeah, the universities obviously want to make that money back. So yeah, do it. And from what I read, I think is subsidies from governments decreased. So universities had to and colleges had to increase their costs. So they're, okay. they've become instead of a like a, a like almost like a hundred percent subsidized type program yeah. or, or heavily subsidized. <laughs> now they have to do more cost recovery that's because right. that subsidized. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, so they have to run more like a business yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And businesses, obviously, any business wants to try to maximize its profits. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about something like Canada with limited amount of actual post secondary schools, unlike the United States, right? Universities like U of T, UBC, you know, uh, Calgary, McGill. These guys can rack up their prices as much as they want, mm-hmm. and they will still have people coming. Yeah, right. they don't care. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. They're okay. still going to have applicants, even international and domestic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So it's what are some of the things you can do? So starting early, saving now. Well, the RESP allows as soon as the child is born and you apply for the SIN number, you can literally open up an account, and up into the year that they're seventeen, you mm-hmm. can contribute to it. And get a government grant up to twenty percent to a maximum. So, uh, so for example, if you put in twenty five hundred a year, twenty five hundred a year, they'll give you a twenty percent match or five hundred dollars every single year up to a total lifetime maximum of seventy two hundred dollars. Why not? Why not? So it's a, it's a free, free seventy two hundred dollars that you can capture yeah. along the way as, as your child's growing. And a yeah. lot of grandparents today are mm-hmm. also kicking in. They're saying, you know what? Maybe instead of you know a, you know a bunch of gifts and things like that and toys, it's maybe we contribute to the RESP, you know, and they get that matching piece too. It used yeah. to be years ago. Yeah, you know, a lot of families avoided the registered education savings plan, which is the RESP, because it was a very onerously restrictive type structure. Mm-hmm. Now that changed mm-hmm. several years ago yeah. to make it a little more flexible yeah. given the circumstances people are facing. What were what? How does an RESP work today, and how that might that be different than? Perhaps, especially with the grandparents, their traditional perception of how an RESP works. Yeah, so you have the flexibility. You can invest it however you want. So, mm-hmm. again, starting off when the kids are young, you've got 17 years or 18 years before they head off to school. So mm-hmm. you can actually... In Charles' pro- case, it was 24 years. <laughs> 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 You're right, John. Well, you could get that money invested in growing for you. You've got time, but you capture that grant each and every year right. and that compounding, it really, really adds up. Yeah. You have a lifetime maximum though. So you can put no more contributions than $50,000 a year. It grows tax deferred. Once the student reaches, you know, they're in school and they're in full time, they can start taking money out. Any of the growth and in income off of that is mm-hmm. taxed in their hands. So, again, they're ho- probably going to be them as the beneficiary, the them students. as the students. So yeah. they're going to be in a lower tax bracket, yeah. obviously, than probably their parents. So that that's the benefit is to use it while they're while they're in school. So 
And an RESP can only be in place for a certain t- amount of time. Like you cannot keep an RESP open for some professional students that like to go to school until age 40. <laughs> like, Joel. You can, I did not say that, Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know you're thinking of Sean. I yeah. was thinking it. But yeah. anyway, but the and, point the, and, is, and it's flexible. I know you. we were talking about it earlier. Like yeah. what kind of schools, like what if they go to school international? Mm-hmm. There's a whole list of schools. If you go to CRA, it's all the approved schools that you can actually use it for. So but if you I do go the to the US. the point I was getting to, though, is that that it's probably never too early to start an oh, RESP. No. Like no. you can't, you know, yeah. can't start really yeah. too early. Okay. And in say you miss a year, like say you all of a sudden your your child is three and you hadn't gotten around to it, you can always recapture that past grant. If they're under age 17, every single year you can get your contribution for that year and one previous mm. year. Mm. So you can do that catch up <clears throat> game to make sure you get the the full grant benefit. So the 50 grand was a limit contri- lifetime, a lifetime limit contribution. Limit. So yeah. you can put in 50 grand and yeah. then if that 50 grand turns to 500k, yeah. it's it's all cool. And some people have actually done the numbers on that. So again, instead okay. of just doing the 2500 to get the max grant every year, mm. again, you can put more in but mm. up to that 50,000. Some people will say, "Well, I'll put the full say maybe they have the ability to put the full 50,000 in." Day yeah. one, you yeah. can do that. Now you're only going to capture one year of grant, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can put it all in one front, but that fifty grand will grow tax deferred over that seventeen years. Like if you can, from a mathematical perspective, if you can actually afford to do so, it's probably better because if you're working, for instance, with an IA, you have seventeen years. Suppose my son just, um, what, uh, uh, you know, um, was born. I put in fifty k in his account. You said I only get the contra- the, the CSU the one ones. Okay, so that's five hundred bucks. The, yeah. ma- the lifetime is seventy five hundred maximum. Yeah. So that means I'm missing 7, out on seventy two hundred. Seventy two hundred. So that's that's the max seventy two hundred yeah, grant. So minus five hundred that the government gave me. I'm at sixty seven hundred. I'd sacrifice sixty seven hundred bucks if I was working with a good IA. That fifty k in seventeen years would do wonders no so sounds good but there's okay. probably a better way to do it and we won't get too technical today but if so you have you then? basically put the you, if you keep the money in a non-registered account let it grow there and then contribute into the RESP you're going to also capture the grant plus you're going to have that money so if we work if out I the numbers in, hold on but if i put it in a non-registered when i take it out aren't i paying capital gains if i'm if i'm it, right if I'm contributing from a non-registered RESP, I'm paying on the capital gains of that, right? You are, you are. But the difference when you start to do the calculations in yeah. terms of capturing the grant, and again, it depends on how you're going to invest it. But if oh, you assumed okay. a 4% rate of return, there gotcha. is a bit of a benefit. So there is some nuance to it. Okay. But that's where we'd sit down with a client gotcha. to say, do you have the okay. ability to do it? What makes the most sense? So that maybe you do capture a bit more grant. Gotcha. Yeah, it's worth a consultation for yeah. sure. So the We're grant, so the grant in, in my scenario, sometimes may actually be more beneficial because it's going to be a higher amount than the capital gains that I'll be getting yeah. when I get taken yeah. from the non-resident. Yeah. Okay. yeah, because you gotcha. gotta remember you're not you're not relinquishing the whole account. Okay. Like you're not you're not exactly being exposed to like a hundred thousand dollar capital gain bill. Yeah. Right. Supposedly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Unless my A was super good, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know, maybe you did. So it's a good, it's a good option. And again, the the one thing we were talking to clients about too is again, it's the expectation that they do it. Mm-hmm. But what a great way! And this is one of the things we're always trying to say is get your kids in, interested in investing early. Mm-hmm. What a great way to engage them into that process. Like, hey, you know, if you put some of your gift money in or holiday money that you get, you see that matching. Yeah. You kind of incentivize them to be part of the. Pro- 
process around their education, okay. which may may make them feel a little bit differently when they well, go to okay. school and All feel right. a little more, you know, tied to the okay, costs. Yeah, you, you have a six-year-old, I believe, right? A five-six-year-old. Uh-huh. So what's your plan to get him to contribute? I want them to contribute because I want them when they go to school to actually understand have what that costs right? and have skin in the game. Yeah, right? You want them yeah. bought in, so to right. speak. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. hate to have someone go through a $100,000 educational process and yeah. you're A, B, lackadaisical about it and yeah. graduate, not be motivated yeah. to let's say, turn that investment into a return on investment from, you know, a career perspective. Yeah. Or B, even worse, flame out. Yeah. Because they didn't understand. Well, they get into the party scene and it's not costing them anything and it's all mom and dad's problem. If they're a little more skin in the game and understand, plus they can learn about how you're investing it, right? It's a really easy way to kind of get them started and understand it. the whole investment world. Yeah, 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 you got it. It's actually a cool door to have Mm -hmm. uh, for children. Like the RESP is the most relevant one to them, you know, when you're 15, 16. Yeah. Right? It's in, it's it's an interesting door to have available for them, yeah. Just so they can get into the investment world, they can probably even right. start talking to the you know IA or you know your, with the family around yep. around dinner, yep. right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. And and the other things I've seen happen, and this is actually more so when the children are or like the kids are in university, but you know yeah. there's different ways that you can house your children. For instance, you might want to invest in some real estate mm-hmm. and then rent out one of the rooms to one of your daughters or sons and yeah. then they and then they rent out to other friends of theirs could be an investment property for you down the road that's something to consider yeah more difficult now that interest yeah. rates are high <laughs> but, yeah but, uh, yeah absolutely but nonetheless it's something to consider definitely i'm seeing more and more people look at their overall circumstances realizing that they're, they have more than enough money to live on other in terms of their day-to-day needs and they're apportioning a portion of their investment portfolio for the grandchildren mm. and mm-hmm. helping them out with tuition and so mm. forth. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, again, happy to talk with anyone who wants some yeah. further guidance on that. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about is this yep. this chart. And we'll, yeah. you're going to post yeah, this, yeah, right? I'll, I'll put it up in the end of the video. So this, this kind of drives me a little crazy. So you've got the costs of education is just going up in this like... Mm-hmm pretty you know steep curve but the actual salaries that they're earning when they come out of school is pretty much flat line stable yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah right yeah. so you've got this which you know you start to say to yourself like at what cost and they're coming out so they're they're coming out of school with way more debt but they're yeah. no further ahead from a wage perspective yeah yeah that well, drives me well, crazy well, yes and no i mean i think there's a few things that, that people need to be aware of, and I don't have the data right in front of me. Okay. okay. It's a, I just know it's true. Okay. If you look at unemployment rates mm-hmm. against education subsets, right. the unemployment rate for people that are university, college educated, or higher are far lower than the unemployment rates for people with high school education or lower. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's market. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. I think the second thing is that, you know, this chart measures university or let's say post-university salaries over mm-hmm. time yeah. mm-hmm. and where they've changed relative to the cost of getting that salary. Right. But those salaries have typically been elevated relative right. to them not That's having true. That's true. a university. That's true. A so that education. segment that we're looking at that is flatlined, right. we have to keep in mind after, you know, they get a few years behind them, they're going to have a much more benefit right. to increase. But I think one of the things that I started to think about was, what an opportunity for the education system to maybe reimagine how we do it, especially with a labor shortage. Yeah. Why aren't we saying instead of just sitting in the classroom, why don't we get more co-op terms in, in things where you get kids earning some money, right. maybe not coming out with such a huge amount of debt, but I, you get more people working. I'd love to see more hybrid type. Educational I would too. I think that would be amazing. 
Yeah. And then they learn business on top of that. So yeah. you're yeah. learning how to run a business yeah. while you're learning a trade because there's such Why a Why business though? Like, no, what, what if, what if I, like my son or my daughter doesn't care about business? Like, Well, be, because at the end of the day, if you want, let's say you become a plumber. Okay. Or a, a mason. Okay. okay. Or anything of that nature. You can make right. a lot of money doing just that trade. Oh, especially can, in today's yeah, world. But you can yeah. make oh, a yeah. whole lot more oh, money yeah. running the business of a bunch of people mm. being a right. plumber or a mason. Right. Mm. And I think actually over like an overall business knowledge or financial knowledge, call it home economics, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah. is a way undertaught skill set in the education system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like yeah. there are I'll tell right? you there are a few subjects I believe that should be taught at the at the high school level. One of them I agree yeah. is business. Um, for me, the other one is obviously law and, and some legal aspects yep. of, of contract of, of law, sure. yeah. contract yeah. law, yep. yeah, yep. stuff. I, I agree um, that some certain things like so. Going back to what you were alluding to, Amy, earlier is that we do need like an overhaul yeah. of our education system. You know, I just uh, think it's a good like opportunity to get them, you know, more exposure, more experience, but then not come out with so much darn debt, especially yeah. with the costs of you know when they want to buy a house and they've got all their student yeah. debt. Like it's, yeah. it is getting more challenging. And even today, when we talk to clients, like four years used to be the norm, but now there's always <clears throat> post-graduate uh, work that yeah. has also been done. So, so Sean, be, you're going to have a more expensive t-shirt coming your way. Yeah, yeah. About it. But you know what? At the, you know, I'll meet you on that frosty Friday in July when all that occurs. For now, <laughs> for now, you know, there are things you can do today Absolutely. That, Absolutely. that can help mitigate the shock of an education. Yeah. Yeah. It, not if, but when your children yeah. reach yeah. that age where they're yeah. going to take. Because yeah. no matter whether they choose to take a trade school, Absolutely. a university, or a college path, yeah. Yeah. it's going to be more expensive yeah. than what you think. Well, exactly. actually, I forgot to mention, because you just mentioned trade school. You know, trade school is actually the least grow, the least inflated cost. Really? Yeah. So university, colleges, all that stuff, obviously even masters and, and fellowships and even, yeah. you know, postgraduate work all went up drastically. Yeah. But um, trade school actually went up the absolute least. I yeah. think trades even, is such a great, we'll have to do a topic and we can bring a trades oh, person and talk, talk yeah, about yeah, it because we had a client and they had saved money and they were a little concerned that they had saved so much and they realized their daughter didn't really want to use it for that, but she was probably going to go into trades. She actually was looking at plumber. Yeah. And I think they were a little like, well, that's not really what our expectation was mm -hmm. for that. And they felt a little odd about it. And I thought, what an amazing business opportunity for this percent. woman, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, they're underrepresented. If you're a female living alone in your mm -hmm. own home, you're probably going to feel more comfortable with another female coming in. I'm like, what a great business yeah. opportunity for her. Like that could be yeah, amazing. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you know, education as it continues to evolve, but your, your point, you know, it is probably going to be more expensive than you think. So start planning for it now and, and looking That's at all your options. Possible. Yeah. 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 Yep. Awesome. It's, it's, it falls under the category, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Got it, John. All okay. right. Till next time, Thanks, students. Guys. Thanks, <laughs>